I'm Alex Marlowe, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, I begin with some personal thoughts on Memorial Day before launching into a ton of headlines. Of course, I give you the latest details on what we know, and more interestingly, what we don't know about the mass murder event in Uvalde, Texas. The gun control debate is raging, but will it go anywhere? I give you the information, then I give you my take. Then I round up some other big news from over the weekend, from soaring prices to the rapid wokeification of professional sports to Barbie's full embrace of the trans hysteria. Yes, Barbie, now part of the problem, plus so much more. Our guest today is Randy Clark, who is of our Breitbart Texas Bureau. Randy is not only one of the best reporters around on all things Texas, he has over three decades of law enforcement experience, particularly with the Border Patrol, and he clarifies a lot of the details about Evalde. Our caller of the day today is a really good one, and as I've noted in the past, but I should probably note a little more often, uh, we do take one call of the many, many calls we take every day on the live show on SiriusXM Patriot number 125, which is every morning at 6 a.m. Eastern and on the SXM app. It's a very caller-driven show, and we do try to highlight one whenever we can on the podcast just to give you a taste of the high-quality and interesting audience that we have. All that to come right now. Okay, so let's get into the news. I will update you on the Texas massacre and trying to figure out what went wrong, which seems to be the thing that's most interesting to everyone that I was doing pretty regular calls, Brandon Darby, who's got more information than anyone I know um, on the subject matter who runs our Texas coverage at Breitbart in general. And it seems like the biggest question that is outstanding right now is why the cops weren't able to broach or breach the school in a timely manner. And a lot of the people online are kind of defaulting to it because they're cowards, which is um, does not. I'm, I, I can bet almost entirely that will not be the full picture. Um, though could it be part of the picture? Perhaps. But I'm, I'm get, betting big money that's not exactly going to that's not going to be exactly what it is. But then the question is, what was what were the missing components? And it seems like some of the key details were, we were told originally there was supposed to be a school resource officer or someone armed within the school. Uh, there wasn't. Seems like the monster entered through a back door which shouldn't have been open. And once he was able to enter, then he was able to uh, actually benefit from the security that was designed to keep uh, a kid safe from active shooters because he'd actually gotten around the security originally and then he was able to kind of lock down the school in a benefit from the stuff that was supposed to protect the kids in general so which is truly horrible and uh, so then the question is uh, why could law enforcement get in was it because they simply weren't interested or too afraid or more likely it's more complicated than that the first reports were that we had on Friday show was that they were missing ballistic shields, which are these pretty pretty heavy duty shields. They usually have like an eye an eye slot uh, that's I guess um, bulletproof glass that so you can look through and you kind of slide the shield up. It goes very slowly, uh, typically, and uh, then you're able to get as close as possible and still not 100 percent safe because you kind of got to get around there to maneuver your whatever weapon you've got. 
Um, I think that's how it works. So I've never seen one in action. But those things were in short supply or non-supply. That seems to be an issue. But the main issue seems to be that the door uh, seemed to be a, a single point of entry. And the door was very heavily reinforced, steel reinforced, designed specifically to keep shooters out. So once the shooter's in, then he kept the cops out. So then the question is, where were the keys? Well, apparently it took a very long time to get the keys. Why is that? Is there a good explanation for that? And that's what we don't have yet. So why was it so difficult once that scenario, which doesn't seem impossible that that it would happen, that someone would skirt, somehow get inside? Because people do get in and out of schools. People who are a a lot dumber than whatever this monster uh, had going on in his brain have gotten into schools before. So uh, once someone's in, then how do you get the good guys in? Um, once the bad guy's in there with the kids. So, and whose fault is that? And I don't know if that's going to lie specifically on the cops. A lot of people trying to throw the cops under the bus. Uh, I got a feeling that's not going to be an incomplete picture, but we don't know yet. And, and that's, I think what will, uh, that's the main question I have. How long was it to get the keys? Why was it so difficult to get the keys? And is it really true? There was no other way to get in without the keys. So that's kind of it. And and that, other than that, there were very few developments in the story. Uh, the NRA convention went off in Houston, which is far north of Uvalde, but is um, uh, still in Texas, which is, you know, it, it, it resonates. A lot of people pulled out um, of that, including Governor Abbott, who appropriately was down in Uvalde. Um, but it seemed like the protests were pretty mild there, which was smart by the left. And I'm wondering if it, it was the protests were more mild because the left understood the whole world's talking about what they want to talk about right now for the first time. It seems like forever, a combination of the cops are bad and guns are bad, which is just heaven for them. That that's what the discussion is. Um, Barack Obama, even making a little George, George Floyd talk last week totally unrelated to any of this but hey he got it in so they don't really want to distract because if they get violent then it becomes a debate about violent left-wing protesters so they didn't do it that said the left is also particularly disorganized right now so maybe that's a factor um we're now starting to learn a little bit more about this monster who executed a bunch of children a couple teachers and a lot of former classmates and old friends are saying things that, are you sitting down that he was super violent and flew into super violent rages, according to one of them? And he had an ex-girlfriend who uh, scared her for life. Um, the latest report that I've not potentially, I have not uh, totally verified and it's from the Daily Beast and reiterated by Newsweek. So feel free to take it with a grain of salt. But it certainly adds to uh, what you would expect, that he loved herny animals. Telltale sign of serial killer. I think, well, what, are the, what are the key signs? I think it's arson, uh, herding animals, wetting the bed until late age. I think those are the, if any of those are happening, it's generally a very bad sign. I think those are the ones that I, I read a long time ago. I tend to correlate with people who are inclined to kill a bunch of people. So this is a uh, paints a picture of someone who probably should have been on more people's radar. And the, the Department of Justice is going to be investigating all this, which I think is a positive. Though I don't, I can't say I trust the DOJ, 
But they're just simply, I don't know how else you get to the bottom of something like this. I mean, you can't hire some sort of consulting firm, like dig into it. Seems kind of silly. So DOJ's got to do it. They, they do this with, I think, every mass shooting. Uh, but this was highly publicized that this is the plan for this one. And I think it's, it's a good thing that they'll look into it because maybe there'll be some vindication for people who deserve it. And maybe we'll actually learn really what were the points of failure. And there were obviously many, many, many of them. So cops having a tough time, though, of all the police officers receiving death threats. The Joe Biden had an event, which I will mention some of the stuff he said, but apparently some of the uh, cops and even Border Patrol agents who seem to be some of the heroes here uh, were uninvited from the event. Broke that exclusively at Breitbart on uh, Saturday. Well, that's just very odd. It's the, 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 even some of the people who helped said, nope, don't come to this Biden event. Mr. Unity, guy loves himself some unity. But I, I, one story I would recommend, the Bob Price's story from, I think it was last Thursday or Friday, probably, you can pull down how school security features protected the shooter and ended up slowing the response. Is it okay to say it's becoming more and more clear that it, perhaps it would have been really helpful to have a good guy with a gun inside the school? Or is that uh, too, too soon and too political? Because everything seems to be pointing to that, in my opinion. I note this because there's so much hand-wringing online. The corporate media getting so excited to talk about this constantly. Democrats are excited about it because it's moved the conversation and I just think that when people eventually catch their breath and get calm, they're going to realize that any gun control efforts, and there are many of them that are afoot, are going to run into a major problem, and that's the U.S. Constitution, which says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So that's not going to stop Republicans from, start, from pursuing something. Mitch McConnell has, capped, has tapped Senator Cornyn appropriately of Texas, to work with Democrats on gun control. I, I'm a little interested to see if this is some sort of a move by McConnell. McConnell's an incredibly smart individual. I've mentioned this on the show a number of times, but uh, for any of you who have not heard it, uh, McConnell, as uh, someone who I openly don't support to be majority leader for Republican State Fact Senate, and I don't like a lot of the stuff he does, Um. I think he gets A plus on justices and judges, and other than that, uh, pretty much, I don't I don't give him high marks on anything I can think of. But I will say he's a smart guy, so I think maybe he thinks this is a worthy calculation. That if you say, "All right, we'll come to the table," there's not going to be anything that's going to be satisfying to Democrats that is also going to be constitutional, because their main thing they want is to infringe on the right to keep and bear arms. So the constitutional question, the Constitution could save us all here. They're not going to come up with anything in this scenario that actually could practically uh, help kids. AWR Hawkins lays out the list and it's not that complicated. Single point of entry for school buildings, armed guards, perimeter fencing, armed teachers. That's it. All you can do. So uh, it would, would also be nice if a little less time investigating, you know, 
people who don't like CRT and people who don't like uh, men in girls' bathrooms and a little more time investigating people who are allegedly harming animals and uh, scaring girlfriends to death. Might be a little better if you're going to spend time. I'm not saying you can look into everyone. That just seems like an idea. I'm very scared a little bit that there this could be lead to more. There's a viral story online about how there's been 27 mass shootings this year. And of course, it's false. Uh, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, 27 school shootings. Um, I think every other example other than this one, uh, or at least most of them, the, the vast majority, if not all of them, were where zero or one person died and they were generally disputes over things like, you know, uh, social stuff and uh, sports and other beefs that people had. And they usually took place in places like parking lots. So the fake news is trying to milk this thing as much as they can. And I think that encourages people because it, monsters who want to be famous now know how to do it. And you can hear we're still doing it on this show. And I try my best to avoid these things. But eventually it hits a level where it is, uh, I'm obliged as a news person to inform you what's going on, try to give you some facts and arguments so that you can have a discussion on this with uh, all the people in your life who are going to want to talk about it. And if you're only getting your information on this stuff from a CNN, from the New York Times, you're not going to get the full picture. But we saw a teenager and a child, a 10-year-old, accused in unrelated school shooting threats. So both in Florida, a 18-year-old and a 10-year-old making threats online and elsewhere were both issued warnings. And you can uh, uh, we, we avoided the photo of the 10-year-old, but you can see the mugshot of the 18-year-old if you care to a bright part. But I'm worried about that. The hero Border Patrol agents had allowed teachers to carry guns for classroom defense. Jacob Alvarado, the off-duty Border Patrol agent who rushed in to rob a elementary Tuesday to save his daughter, says teachers should be trained and armed for classroom defense. A.W.R. Hawkins writes at Breitbart. Borrowed a shotgun from a local barber when he was about to get a haircut when he learned of the attack, charged into the school to save his daughter. He found her alive and helped her and numerous other children get out of the building. Sounds like a Hollywood movie, doesn't it? Though, of course, that would only encourage more bad guys. School did not have an armed guard on duty, Hawkins reminds us. And the, the gunman entered through an unlocked door. All details I just refreshed you on. But he says, uh, be better if there is a uh, trained armed person in the school with a gun. No kidding. Will that come up in any of the many speeches we'll be hearing and have heard from people like Big Joey the Biden? No, of course not. Biden has criticized high caliber weapons, including nine millimeter bullets. He says nine millimeter bullets blows the lung out, whatever that means. It blows the lung out of the body. Now, I think those of you who are gun hobbyists know I'm not a big gun individual, big gun rights individual. Um... I uh, I I do know nine millimeters pretty pretty standard, pretty standard. He said the twenty two caliber bullet will lodge in the lungs and we can get it out. A nine millimeter bullet blows the lung out of the body. That is absolute garbage. Twenty two caliber is incredibly small. So it's a he wants us all to have I guess things that are, are only ammunition 
that um, would not necessarily stop uh, someone unless it's a really precise shot. So he never misses an opportunity to divide. He says on Memorial Day, the Constitution, the Second Amendment was never absolute. What a guy. We got a clip of this. Play cut one, please, Zach. Well, that's hard to say because I have not been negotiating with any of the Republicans yet. And uh, I deliberately did not uh, engage in a debate about that with any Republicans in that we, when we were down controlling the families in Texas. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know what is the most, how far it goes. I know that it makes no sense to be able to purchase something that can fire up to 300 rounds. I know it makes, and I know what happened when we had rational action before, back in, in the front It is significantly cut down mass murders. And remember, the Constitution, the Second Amendment, was never absolute. You couldn't buy a cannon when the Second Amendment was back. You couldn't go out and purchase a lot of weapons. And those who not many are saying it anymore, but there was a while there where people were saying that, you know, the tree of liberty is water with the blood of patriots, and what we have to do is have to be able to take on the government when they're wrong. Too irritating. I can't hear anymore. Um, but you guys got it. was kind of, you, you heard what he said, that it's a, uh, is um, Second Amendment not absolute, and you couldn't buy a cannon, which of course is false. He says it over and over again. He says it all the time. You could get a cannon. I just don't know why he just settles on this stuff. That makes no sense. And no one gets a hold of him. Like him, his suggestion, the Second Amendment is about hunting and not the well-regulated militia that is right in there in the Second Amendment. He also says that you shouldn't be able to fire off 300 rounds. Well, who decides, Joe? This is the whole point of why it says cannot be infringed. Start getting in these slippery slope arguments. This is how they backdoor gun control in places like California, where California, you can have a gun, but they cap the amount of um, uh, the, the size of the magazines. So you can have a gun that is used to you know, get your magazine retrofitted. So you've got to really know what you're doing. There's a huge barrier to entry there because you've got to get uh, uh, magazines that aren't uh, the standards for your weapons, which makes you a lot less likely to get the weapons. That's how they do it. That's how they start chipping away, eroding your freedoms. Um, a lot of people have been reminding me that uh, Hunter Biden himself had a, a gun violation in 2018. Wendell Husebo writes for us at Breitbart News. Hunter lied to obtain a weapon in 2018 by failing to disclose he had a drug problem. This is based off a New York Post report. Hunter was never charged with wrongdoing, and uh, the weapon has disappeared. Huh. In 2019 text messages, Hunter revealed the FBI had gotten involved in the case, speaking about Hallie Biden, his former sister-in-law, who ended up being his lover. Hunter said she threw a gun into a grocery store dumpster in William in Wilmington, Delaware. Wow. 
A lot of people uh, like to remind me as well that uh, Joe Biden has lived his whole life or much of his life with uh, armed security. But not for you guys. There was a couple bad ones at the NRA convention. Beto supporters calling a black cop a effing disgusting pig. So there's a lot of unclassy people. But the good news is is Susan Rice will save us. She will be in charge with the White House gun control effort. Democrat policy advisor Susan Rice, one of the most uh, adroit liars on all the Democrat left. Donald Trump had a great quote. If we can send $40 billion to Ukraine, we can protect our children's schools. It is such a good quote because it is almost identical to what we had put on our Instagram at Breitbart. I'm not saying Trump's on our Instagram. Um, but we did work on a meme our social media director and myself. If Washington can spend $40 billion on Ukraine security, why can't they spend $40 billion on America's school security, which we we put out there on Wednesday, Breitbart. So, but by all means, it's a great, great, great quote by Trump. The New York Times is kind of pushing Biden to target the company that made the gun. Um, this is a typical tactic. Daniel Defense is what it's called. And the a reporter went as far as to spell out the name of the company just to make sure people knew, harass them, target them online. David Brooks over on PBS said that we should rephrase gun control as gun regulation. That's kind of like car regulation. This is what they're going to kind of. This is what they're going to try to do. But as I said, the problem here is going to be the Constitution. The U.S. Constitution is, it will hopefully get in their way. And thus, this will again be reduced to a political talking point because what gun control can get through, what gun control can get passed as long as there's a Second Amendment. This is why some people on the right online were saying that we've already won this issue. Um, So what happens when the left feels like they can't win while they start going on inappropriate tirades? The New York Yankees went on a second anti-Second Amendment tirade on their Twitter, noting that 4,100 Latinx people die from gun violence in the U.S., literally using Latinx or Latinx, as I say it. And they did a whole tweet thread on gun violence. San Francisco Giants manager Gabe Kapler, seems like kind of unpleasant guy, is going to skip the national anthem to protest gun violence. And he talked about how he felt like a coward for standing for the national anthem. Guy makes millions of dollars playing kids game. Um, But America not good enough for Gabe Kapler. They don't like this country, ladies and gentlemen. Fame manager Tony La Russa said that the flag and the anthem is not an appropriate place to voice your objections. I donate to Tony La Russa's animal charity that he has every year. Just to let you know. So uh, I felt a little personal vindication that he's got a uh, animal relief foundation that I do no- donate to. So that's good. NBC Sports Peter King used Memorial Day to push for an AR-15 ban and wants the gun purchasing age to go up to 21. Bob Costas, famed sports broadcaster, went on Jim Acosta's show on CNN to say some Republicans are either nuts or too cowardly to pass gun safety. What's going on here with woke sports? That's why I don't tune into this stuff. Don't tune in. Don't watch any of them. 
It's shame because uh, I'm getting close to the age where I could show my boys some of the sports that I grew up enjoying very much. Um, I was uh, showing friends and family some old Laker highlights from 20 years ago over the weekend, stuff that I really enjoyed growing up. They're trying to ruin it for the kids and for the families who don't agree with their left-wing politics. And it's not just this issue. The Detroit Tigers are helping to fund trans surgeries for children, a portion of the proceeds raised on Pride Night, according to a report from National Review, are actually going to go to something called the Trans Sisters of Color Project in the Ruth Ellis Center, both of which are organizations that fund trans surgeries for minors. It's sick stuff. Wimbledon is dropping Miss and Misses from Women's Winners Board. That'll do it. That'll make a difference. That'll make a difference. Big difference. Disturbing. I'm, I'm annoyed by it all. I'm annoyed by it all. All right. Um, let's change gears slightly. Nancy Pelosi delivered a commencement address for Brown graduates. And uh, she was supposed to, she said, we need to help heal America's fractured soul. Very similar sentiment to Joe Biden's address that he gave to the University of Delaware, where he said, we need to take the country back from the starkest forces. And we need to get going for God's sake. The one thing that was most though amusing about uh, Pelosi's was that her husband had just gotten a, a DUI. So she received an honorary degree from Brown spoke on the commencement about uh, healing America's soul. And the night before, her husband was involved in a car crash and then a DUI accident in Napa. Paul Pelosi, featured heavily in Peter Schweitzer's Red Handed. Not good. Joe Biden again falsely claimed that Trump supporters had killed police officers on January the 6th. That's what I'm saying. He keeps repeating lies. Like No one gets to him saying, stop doing that. There are no police officers killed by Trump supporters on January the 6th. That was a hoax. So eventually people are going to get back to talking about the stuff that's really affecting them the most, which is one third, say, Memorial Day plans were affected by high gas prices, which hit a record after another record after another record. So what does the New York Times do? They respond by blasting Americans on Memorial Day weekend for driving too much. That's how they spent the time. It's uh, a part of the dream of the left. This is why I the the my sleeper hot take of the year. Joe Biden isn't doing nearly as bad as we think he is, because he does make you think about getting off of uh, a, a combustion engine cars. Maybe pick up an electric car. Maybe stop driving so much. Maybe change your lifestyle so you're less free because of the price of gases of gas that he has inflicted upon all of us. So this was uh, a suggestion from the New York Times. They encouraged that maybe it's time to cut back and make some other big changes. Of course they feel that way. At least you're starting to have the decency to say it sometimes. Soaring prices, cancellations, and delays for air travelers took place over the weekend too. Seemed like it was pretty tough. All right, other things on the Biden agenda is the White House is planning to cancel $10,000 of student loan debt. That will, first of all, is 
not going to be nearly enough to change most most people's lives who have debt from student loans. And so it will be unsatisfactory to the left, and it's also, I think, morally wrong. So uh, I don't I don't know about this move. I don't think it's enough to buy any favor with the left, and I think the right doesn't want to do this at all. Still not a lot of aggressive action that we can see in the baby formula crisis. So our babies are suffering, and it's only going to get worse as of now. 19 Republican governors have demanded that Biden take more aggressive action as the crisis goes on. Operation Fly Formula Australian Goat Milk is going to replenish baby formula. United Press International says there's going to be a big effort to get the goat milk. 1.25 million cans to the United States and um, the FDA announced on Friday, I guess. Weird. Is that really the, 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 this is a, it strikes me as impossible. Goat milk formula, easy to digest, apparently. Organic grass-fed cows. Companies called Bubs Australia is going to be, send them over. So we're going to go to Australia for a goat milk now. Okay. Um, I think not entirely unrelated, the World Economic Forum Praise China for planting trees to fight climate change. China will still be building coal-fired power plants through 2030 at least, until they extend the rules, of course. They're building new ones, not trying to shut down the ones they've got, not maintaining the ones they've got. They're building new ones, and they're allowed to through 2030. And they're getting praise from the World Economic Forum because maybe it's not really about climate change, is it? Maybe it is about top-down control from the globalist elite superstate. All right, a few other quick ones. Uh, Liz Cheney is 30 points behind her Trump-endorsed candidate Harriet Hageman in Wyoming. It's amusing. Um, Donald Trump is beating Joe Biden head-to-head right now, according to an Emerson poll. But only 45, I'm sorry, 44-42. Pretty amazing. Still tight, still tight. This is what I'm saying about the race. And um, if Trump runs, he'll almost certainly get nominated. And uh, I will do uh, all that I can to support him in the general. You can bet on that. Short of being dishonest, I will be 100% honest. But I have to say, he's going to be the one where it will be the most animating to the anti-Trump vote. will be very animating and will make 2024 race um, uh, conceivably tight, even as bad as Biden's doing. So it'll be interesting to track that, but only two-point lead, according to this poll. But he's still ahead, which is interesting, because remember, he was losing all the polls by like 10% last time, and it was end up being closer than that, I think, in the Electoral College. Uh, the juries began deliberations in the Sussman trial. We could get a verdict any day now. Uh, this is, I think, a bad for Hillary Clinton if it's a guilty verdict, because reminding people of how corrupt her whole uh, operation is, he was the Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer. So they're deliberating now. We'll give you updates on that. And again, I still think Hillary Clinton's the front runner, but you know, if a bunch of people in her life get convicted of crimes, then that would be probably not good. Uh, Los Angeles County High School is banning unvaccinated students from graduation ceremony. 
So if you're unvaccinated, you cannot participate. You cannot walk in your own graduation at Granada Hills Charter High School where a young Alex Marlowe once hit a home run. Um, that's such a shame. Such a shame. That a young people who may have been exposed to the virus early on, got natural immunity, if you don't get the jab, doesn't matter. I'm guessing they're not parsing that out, right? Even if there's any rationale to demand that people get those jabs to walk in high school graduation. Uh, Mattel's transgender Barbie doll of Laverne Cox, which you mentioned last week, who is a man who lives as a woman, who is a very feminine-looking Barbie doll, looks looks like a girl, even though Laverne Cox is born a man, an actress or actor, I guess, whatever. Um, but it's made in Indonesia, where gays are beaten and same-sex marriage is illegal. The World Health Organization has told smokers to stub it out that tobacco's global impact is devastating. So that's where the WHO is shifting their focus. I guess they are they off monkeypox now. It's a, they couldn't they couldn't get the media to buy or they couldn't get the people to buy into monkeypox enough. Well, the monkeypox news cycle was fun while it lasted, unless you have monkeypox, of course, that's horrible. But I will say I don't smoke. I've never smoked, um, but I do love Pendulette's joke about it, which is that never smoke unless you want to look really really cool. I always thought that was a great line. <laughs> Randy Clark is on, and Randy is someone who has been reporting around the clock, working really hard, and doing an amazing job trying to clarify all the details and not just drink the established media Kool-Aid, as so many people do for us at Breitbart, Texas, covering the Evaldi massacre and all the various angles to it and trying to ask some of the hard questions and getting answers to it. He gives a ton of detail that you'll find very enriching. I know I did. Let's hear it. Randy, thanks for coming on the show with me. Uh, would you remind the audience of your background, pre-journalism, because I think it adds some of your credibility here. Uh, good morning, Alex. Uh, I, I was in the border patrol for 32 and a half years. Uh, I started in California and worked my way back to Texas, where I'm from. Uh, during that 32 years, uh, I was a border patrol agent, rank and file, a supervisor. I ran two stations. And then ultimately, at the end of my career, I was a division chief running all the stations in the Del Rio border patrol sector. And also at one, uh, under that particular title, I was responsible for this BORTAC unit that we have in Del Rio sector for those that are assigned to us here, to that team. Uh, it's really interesting that you have this background because I think it adds to some of the perspective because one of the things that I've struggled with as a journalist here in, uh, thankfully you guys have been very helpful uh, in our Texas division, is trying to piece together the timeline of what happened in Evaldi. And it just seems like there's just huge gaps in it and things where we don't have a clear explanation. And uh, let me give you a couple things uh, in, in uh, no particular order. Uh, and uh, you can kind of give me, fill in any of the details and maybe some things that we don't know. Uh, one thing that we were told from the start is that there was an armed guard or there was at least supposed to be an armed guard and the school. And then it turned out that I guess 24, 48 hours later, we learned that wasn't the case. Yes, uh, we understand that. 
that Uvalde Police Department for the school district is one police chief, one detective, and four officers. So we know based on the number of campuses, uh, they're not going to have somebody at every campus. But also a misnomer is, is that they are security guards. If they were security guards, they wouldn't have a detective. They investigate crimes on campus, uh, bullying issues, fights, narcotics, uh, a myriad of, of things, and even coordinate prosecutions when that's necessary. So uh, for a small police department like this, uh, I don't, they're not going to have somebody to guard the door of every campus. That's physically impossible. So, so, so there so, was confusion so, at the so, beginning that there on, was Randy. one there. Right. Yeah. So, so give me that again. So, how many police are in the are in the town in, in general? How many total police are there? I'm sorry. In the county. In, 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 in the town. In Evaldi, how many police are there total? So they they have a smaller police department. It's it certainly this isn't Chicago. This isn't San Antonio. Uh, they may be upwards of 30, 40 officers there, and we've got a sheriff's department that covers a huge county. He may have uh, several dozen uh, sheriff's deputies as well. Uh, which which also brings into, you know, this didn't start at a school. It started at this monster's home where he shot his grandmother. That's a big deal in a small place like Uvalde to have a, a 60-some-odd-year-old woman shot in the face by her own grandson. Uh, so this started there. That's a big deal. You know people were heading there shortly after 11. And then we know he fired upon uh, people from a funeral home. So now this is transitioned to, okay, we're over there. And then he, he starts to shoot towards the school. So there's a lot of information hitting this small town and their resources very, very quickly. Wow. Yeah, yeah, very good uh, the information. Um, let me ask about the next one, which is a pretty big one, is that it seems like the monster entered through a open door, a back door, at least as far as we know, and if that's the case, how is that possible? And then once he was inside, was he basically able to utilize the, what were safety measures that were supposed to be uh, prevent someone like him from getting in? He ended up able to use him to his advantage. That, that's correct. And, uh, and I've seen that in the setting that I have worked at with security doors also. Everybody begins to get lax. If there was a rock that propped that door open, that rock was there because it probably had been propped open on a multitude of occasions with no consequences. This right. We will find when this is over that much like any catastrophe, it, it's only made possible by a series of, you can call them failures or you can call them occurrences, that allows a weakness to just continue to unfold. So we know that door was left open and propped open probably just for a minute. We know that that classroom door was open when he got there. Uh, that's the second point that allowed him access. But we also know there was an award ceremony that day where there were a multitude of parents that came in. Uh, so you know those doors were wide open several hours before. Luckily, he didn't get in at that time. But that may have been even more beneficial because we know there were some police officers there watching their children get awards. So, you know, we can Monday morning quarterback, but we do know what happened in these series of failures ended up costly because people with keys are taught to shelter in place and lock down themselves. A principal, a janitor, an assistant right. principal is not supposed to be getting out there and throwing keys under okay. the mat. Uh, right. They're sheltering and they may have been hard to find. And those are some of the questions we still have. 
Right. So, okay, so let's go to the keys issue because this seems like it's the big one. So now that the monster's in the school and is the school, how many points of entry are there in the school now at this point? Is it just the one? And if so, uh, what is the door like? Because I'm told it's incredibly heavy duty. And how do you get through it? So this is a, like many schools that are older, it has a bunch of outbuildings on it, several outbuildings that may be classrooms two larger structures that may, con- may contain the office building and the, and the classrooms. We know that that's a cinder block wall inside. We know that it's a steel reinforced door that locks from the inside. Uh, it's not bulletproof because officers were grazed in the first few minutes when they encountered this person. They, that's how they were struck through the door. Wow. Okay. So how do you, so if that's the case, it would it be possible to, uh, to, uh, knock the door down with a battering ram or it, was it necessary to get the keys? Uh, so with nothing in their hands, it was necessary to get the keys. Uh, these tactical units maintain those battering rams and what have you. And they are hours away in, in this instance. Wow. When this, when this terminated, we know San Antonio SWAT team was 30 minutes away and the DPS SWAT team was 30 minutes away roughly at that time. So nobody waited for an organized team with those tools. The door can be breached. I mean, we have the technology to do dynamic entries where they could have literally blown that door off the hinges. But very few people are trained in that, uh, and it's a, it's very it's a very dangerous function based upon the strength of the door. So there's a lot of calculations that go into that, and when you do a dynamic entry, one of the consider- considerations if you're going to use explosives is who's in that building or in that room or in that house and and are they innocents uh so so there's a lot that they did not have those capabilities and i know that you might not have the exact answer to this but i want to ask the question anyway uh, just in case is that uh, how many people have the keys and why was it so hard to get the keys because it seems like this could have been you know the most important question we can answer uh, i don't know if there's an easy answer to it but it just seems like a tough one uh in in most cases very few people are going to have keys to get into all the facilities most mo- the teachers cannot get in their own school campus principals assistant principals show up early they open the doors they let folks in uh, so those people are trained to run, hide, and to gain as much distance in an active shooting event as well. So we're not, we, that's the one question that we don't have is when did they find one of a very limited group of people, such as a janitor, that had the key. In this case, it was the janitor that gave them the key. Wherever he was on that campus is where he would have sought to refuge by, by their district policies to lock themselves in a room and wait until the all clear is given. So uh, they're not trained to go out and confront a shooter. They're not con- they're not trained to come out and, and give keys out because they, they will be killed potentially. Uh, and, so, and so outside of that, there would have been somebody in the district potentially that had copies of those keys. It may have been the police department. It may have been someone at a central office. But somebody else, a security officer, should have had copies of those somewhere potentially. Yeah, and th- this is the big one. And so again, Randy Clark is with me. He's one of our reporters at Breitbart, Texas, with decades of experience with Border Patrol and other law enforcement. Um, the this is something that is uh, really essential because I think that of, of all of the hot takes that people have in terms of what to do, it just seemed like if you get a scenario which seems inevitable in retrospect that someone was going to breach breach the school um, and then barricade themselves using the exact security. Uh, system that was supposed to keep the monsters out 
then there's got to be a way to get the keys faster. And and we didn't have that. And that's something that's got to be sorted out. Uh, do you see any quick answers to that one, Randy? Uh, I, I, I see a, a quick way of tightening up those security procedures. But at the end of the day, Alex, we, we still have to remember that at one point in the morning and one point in the afternoon, those doors have to pop wide open to accommodate 600 children coming in right. and 600 children coming out. And at that time, all of those classroom doors are open. So I, I think where we need to get is uh, to the answer of why such evilness is existing at the rate it is right now. Because this monster was trying to buy rifles before he was legally eligible, trying to get sure. his sister to purchase them. So that was eight months before the shooting. And he amassed 1,657 rounds just to carry this out. So his goal was not to kill 19 children. Right. His goal was to potentially kill every single one of them in there. And so there's a lot of things that happened, and, and this was very fluid. And I was lucky enough to have some insight as this occurred. Uh, and it, it was just complete chaos. Nobody had straight answers early on. We have, you and I have more information than probably anyone had on that scene that day. Um, um, uh, the, um, uh, so uh, Randy, l let me go. I want to get to that topic in a moment, but I have a couple other questions about the sort of law enforcement response. Um, we report exclusively at Breitbart that they were missing a ballistic shield. These things are, uh, I imagine there's not a ton of them. I was kind of looking online. They seem incredibly expensive and more complicated than just, you know, a, a piece of plastic or fiberglass or something. Um, these things seem pretty uh, in, intense, but uh, again, uh, can we not afford to have a ballistic shield in the town? I mean, we've got a, you know, as the, we've got the proverbial $40 billion going to Ukraine that we don't even have. So it, we, it feels like a explanation, but not an excuse that there was no ballistic shield around. Well, I will tell you this. Managing a federal agency, one of the biggest things that we do every year is a budget. And I know we have turned down the purchase of a $10,000 ballistic shield in our sector at one time or another. Not for our, not for our board tech unit, but people for riots and stations or what have you. But when you're budgeting things, you know, especially with the border patrol, you're looking at migrant care, diapers, uh, fuel that is rising. So these small departments, 10,000 may not seem like much, but that keeps you on patrol potentially for a month. So wow, there are expenses that something has to go. And, you know, none of us hopes this would ever happen, but Jesus, it happened in Uvalde. So right. I think folks are going to look at it. It's going to take a federal funding source. These local departments can't, because uh, in addition to that, they have those other expenses. Salaries consumes most of law enforcement budget, then fuel, then electric, then your facilities expenses. Uh, these doors and locks in these schools cost money. Uh, and so there's just a limited amount of funding almost. Yeah, but it's just very embarrassing as a people <clears throat> if we can't afford things like this that could have saved our, our kids and we can't afford stuff like, you know, even more blank checks for Ukraine. It's just, just kind of amazing. Just just a political point to throw it in there, Randy, that people can uh, can contemplate on their own. Um, the last one that I want to bring up is that I'm very sympathetic to the incredible spot that law enforcement was put in. And I think the media trying to throw them under the bus right away is uh, irresponsible. And I know is not painting the full picture that said, uh, of course, mistakes were made. And I think we'll flesh all those out. 
But one thing that is striking in this issue is that ultimately it looks like a plane closed or a couple of plane closed Border Patrol people stormed the school and were able to save the day. And if that was possible, then in retrospect, does does that make law enforcement look bad to you uh, with their initial reaction to uh, the to set up the perimeter and wait for the reinforcements? Well, so I, I think you just touched upon why we are having this conversation right now, because this active shooter document that is used as a measure for these officers that day, uh, it, it's a very lengthy document. And so to just kind of say, well, I don't think they followed it. Well, the tenants of that change at Parkland, at Columbine, officers did not even get into the building. And that's what changed the doctrine and the philosophy. In this case, that, that was met within the first two minutes. They did not wait for a perimeter. They went inside that building. And we know by DPS's timeline that the shooter entered at 1133 and two minutes, they were already exchanging gunfire inside when those Uvalde police officers first went in. Uh, so that doctrine, they did not say, well, let's go back to old style and let's make an outside perimeter. But that doctrine also calls for two perimeters, an inner and an outer. And that incident commander, who we know, uh, at least for now, was the school district police chief who probably supervised less employees than any other manager on scene, uh, has to establish a unified command. The highest ranking person from every agency that arrives is there to help him make decisions. So I think to thrust this on one person is extremely premature. Yeah. And I think we saw this change when it began to get political because we are polarized society right now. You're either vax or anti-vax. You're either cops right. or no cops. We've, we've failed to teach people how to rationalize and look at facts. Uh, and that's a sad state of affairs because the only person that ever intended to cost the loss of the life of children was this monster. And he had been planning it for a long, long sure. time to amass 1,657 rounds in 60 magazines. That tells you this is not something he got angry and decided to do that day. Yeah, for sure. And and Randy, let me um let me just put a a, a marker down. We'll put a we'll put a pin in something. Let's come back to let's revisit um, whether or not the door could have been breached more quickly, and uh, uh, whether or not um the in trying to square the narrative between the decisions made earlier on in the hour and when the border patrol agent was able to save the day uh, we're going to need to to figure that out as time goes on we don't have all the answers right now um, but i think there's a lot of open questions there that we really need to answer but i do want to turn to the monster himself and you're pointing out that he got so much ammunition he was making a big effort to get guns even when he was a minor um, now we're hearing more and more that he engaged in violent and threatening behavior to people. He famously cut his face for sport um, as some sort of a hobby. And it seems like all of his classmates knew that he was potentially violent and dangerous. Uh, why wasn't he on people's radar? And uh, what are your thoughts on his ability to be able to get weapons? Well, you know, the, the, the problem with polarization is it's either all or none. There has to be a common sense discussion of every factor because like i mentioned earlier this is a series of events that unfolded that started with uh, a door being left unlocked and then the perfect storm is a classroom door was left unlocked and and so we see that it's a series well this is not down to just the guns 
we are proliferated with guns across the border where the laws are way more restrictive. So if we limit it to just that, how did he get this gun? Okay, well, we know that weapon smuggling is global. If we end that here, they are going to get shipped in, just like human trafficking uh, and, and narcotic smuggling. It's a global effort. So that's a big lift. So even if we get to an agreeable point of how we increase limitations, maybe like New York, maybe like Baltimore, maybe the other states, we're still going to have a problem with you can still get them. Maybe this kid couldn't, but guess what? He'll find a way. If he's that calculating to have done this under the radar, he probably would have found a way to take enough money to find a weapon. But if not, you know, 9-11 didn't involve a gun. We have to understand why people are expressing themselves in this evil of a manner. Yeah, and I think that also why what we can do to try to win is very clear that there's a person who's the latest reports are that he harmed animals, and if that's true, then there's telltale signs that this guy could be trouble. And the parents were out of the picture, it seems like. Is that the case, that the parents weren't around? I think they were alive. They're just not in the picture. Is that what we're hearing? That is that is correct. He was he was living with his parents. We hear that, you know, th there were even problems in, in that relationship between him and his grandmother, that his mother had issues. So we know this is a broken family situation who had other complicating factors, but you're correct. We, we know it's already been mentioned that there's a lack of mental health facilities in that area. Uh, again, that's a Monday morning quarterback, that, but that is an element that needs to be discussed. Was there something that could have been done? Did this person get to the point that he may have been uh, committed to an institution? We don't. We just don't know that. Um, I want to get your quick thoughts on, first of all, do you see any clear takeaways as someone with 30 years plus of law enforcement background of things that we can do to make it, not to say we can prevent this, but things that could make it less likely and discourage these attacks in the future off the top of your head? Well, I, first of all, I, I think we should make sure that everybody understands that when you see these triggers, that that needs to be reported right away. And it needs to be yes. reported several times. You know, if you don't see an action, you need to bring it up. Uh, you need to keep reporting. You see something, you say something. Uh, that may have helped in this instance because we do know there was an online footprint of where he made some threats, not a specific for that day and for that time. But having police officers everywhere at every time when someone plans and they are the predator, that's a very difficult situation because they'll wait for the police to leave and then they'll act. They have all the time in the world to decide today is the day and right now is the hour. So it's going to be very challenging. And if we can keep it from being political and just say, let's look at the shortcomings of shortfalls. Uh, but I refuse at any point to blame anybody else except this monster. I don't blame the person that left that rock there. Uh, I don't think they left that rock intending to know that 19 children would be dead in a few hours. Uh, so they were mistaken, yeah. definitely. Not the first time, I guarantee you. I, and I'll, I'll add, personally, I blame the parents a little bit, too. I, I don't think you can let your kids get to this level and uh, keep as much of a secret as it was. Not to say it was a total secret, but uh, I, I do think that we need to start holding the parents accountable um, because we can't. Uh, we, we need their help. Absolutely. We need their help when these people are so monstrous. Uh, Randy, uh, last question. Is there anything you feel like the media is missing that you really want to convey? Yes, I, I think, you know, we have to understand that we are looking at this from the bird's eye perspective. There is probably nobody on the scene there that had the full picture 
at the time that this was occurring. We have the calmness of sitting and reading through this material and microanalyzing it and deciding what was wise and what wasn't. But getting into that classroom with an additional 20-some-odd students in there that were potential friendly fire targets, the, the police have accidentally killed hostages before. That happened in San Antonio last year. Uh, so it, it's not an easy situation. It's not the Wild West where you can shoot indiscriminately. You have to have, before you look at any policy, a clear target. You know, this person fired a, over 100 rounds in that school and had 300 on his body when he went in. So those police officers in the hallway fired eight rounds before he got into or after he got into that classroom when they could still see him. But they cannot shoot indiscriminately. So I think a lot of people are under the impression that we could have just stood side to side as law enforcement officers and begin to shoot inside uh, an occupied classroom. Very, very difficult situation. And a barricaded subject is the most difficult for SWAT and tactical teams who get that training. The average everyday police officer is not trained to go in there and start shooting indiscriminately and not hit children. Randy Clark from our Texas Bureau at Breitbart. Thanks, Randy. Can come back soon. Thank you, Alex. Pete, Massachusetts is our caller of the day, and it's a particularly strong call because it incorporates two of my favorite elements of a good call. First, Pete, who is a cop, shares his his expertise and personal thoughts on the biggest subject of the day. And then he has a thoughtful disagreement with me, in this case, on how to deal with the increased politicization of the pro sports world. Let's hear it. I just want to let you know, I thought I think um, everything you've done with the Uvalde crisis um, you know, I, I'm in law enforcement. I think um, it's been fair. Uh, and uh, I just want to thank you for at least listening to both sides, um, trying to hash out as much information as possible, um, because I think, obviously, you never want to make rash decisions when you're upset. Right. And, um, you know, nobody – we had a meeting yesterday with my police department, and, uh, you know, the look on our faces, you know, when we were discussing what happened – was uh, we, we were confused by what happened too, and I think most police officers across the country feel that way. So, um, but I just want to. So, thank Pete, you Pete I want you to get to the point you told the screener, but this is really important because you've got some expertise here, and I always like to defer the experts when I where I can. Um, but here's what I'm struggling with: it obviously is not going to be when the dust settles, the finest hour for for cops. But no. there seems to be some basic things that happened. There seemed to be some basic equipment that was lacked, meaning these shields, which would have meant. You know, storming a single point of entry, even if it's your job, was going to lead to certain death. And that's something to overcome. And then there should have been an armed guard. And there wasn't. And then the murderer barricaded himself in using the exact same security features that were supposed to be used to keep a guy like him out. So I, I, I'm not unsympathetic. I, I admit it. I'm not unsympathetic. I'm not saying that in the end it's not going to look terrible for cops, but it just it's obviously more than just cops were sitting outside uh you know being cowardly maybe that was part of it but that's not even close to the whole picture so do you have any sense from what you've read and heard and um talked about with your uh with your uh uh, office i mean do you guys see would you see anything i'm missing here so far 
No, I mean, I, I think I think the general consensus. And look, I'm in Massachusetts. It's a little different. We're, we're you know we're lucky. We get a little more training than probably the average police police officer across the country, northeast. Then 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 Valdi, Texas, with uh, five thousand people in it. In, in the whole town? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, that's, it, it's just a guess, Alex. I can't speak to the training and the funding in the Uvalde Police Department. I know that, you know, there's not a ton of Uvalde police officers. Um, but in regards to, you know, with the shooter and so forth, um, yeah, I think, again, I, I don't think anybody's going to come out smelling like roses. Obviously, the police are going to take the brunt of it. And yeah. I think that's fair if they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Look, like, like, we've, like you've mentioned multiple times, um, you know, the Border Patrol agent just came in and just went in. And the idea yep. that we're, we're going to have every police department in, in the country is going to have a ballistic shield um, is 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 silly to me. I, I, we don't have one at our police department. So uh, I just think that you always say this and it's and I think it's a fair critique that we live in right now in a mediocre in a mediocre time. Um, and I think that. Uh, you know, you, you, the police officers are, are the public they serve, are the people in the community. So if you have mediocre people within the community, you might have mediocre police officers. And courage is, is it, it, everybody wants to think that they'll go in and do it when you have to. Um, and I think that was in short supply because, you know, once that Border Patrol agent was there, um, he, he was probably probably trained. You know, he was on a specialized team and he knew what to do. And he grabbed four of the guys or three other guys that were ready to go. And I think that, um, you know, some of the officers just weren't prepared mentally to, to, to do what they had to do. And it's not easy knowing that you could go and, and die. But, but the truth of it is, is that's what you're there for. You're there in the public. And if, and if you can't summon up the courage to, protect little boys and girls. I have a, a four and a two year old. I have a four year old who's in school and it, it, I, it's, I, I can't, I don't understand it. I, I don't, I mean, if, if, if you're going to die, what, what better way to die than being a hero trying to save kids? I mean, I know it sounds kind of silly, but I, I just, I don't know. Well, you would think it would be a calculation that most cops had made before they put the uniform on. You would think that that would be, there's a chance that, you know, that could happen given, but uh, I don't know uh, if it's a big secret here, Pete, that occasionally this stuff happens in this country. So yeah. Um, yeah and um, I, I just feel like there's got to be more to why they weren't able to get through. I'm not saying it's going to be excusable. I'm not saying that we're not going to, things could get worse. I mean, we could be at a point in a few weeks or a few months, whenever the dust settles, where the cops look worse than they do now. It's possible. But I just feel like there's a few holes in the timeline that I'm waiting for before I get fully on the let's trash the cops bandwagon that so many people are on. One thing from police perspective, which which we, we talked about yesterday was, you know, if, if the timeline was that, you know, it was the 12 to 12 minutes, you know, depending on where the officers were and what was going on. But one of the things is, is the first second that that, guy gets out of the car you know the monsters are calling him gets out of the car and starts shooting and the officer dispatched the next call has to be the school to lock him down like you know depending right. on where the main office is depending you know on the layout of the school mm. maybe one side of the school knows that there's some guy shooting outside but the next call has to be to the school to lock the school down so there's no ambiguity and you know with the door open like this like like you said like the school was a hard target once he got in there it was hard to get him out and, yeah. you know, and I don't want to blame the teacher for leaving the door open, but this is a, every, every, every time there's a shooting, there's usually a commonality that 
the door, there was easy access into the school. And then when it, once the person kind of got into the school, it was hard to root them out. And, you know, that's, that's, that's my take on it. So, um, hopefully, hopefully this kind of wakes up everybody because yeah. you just, you, you never know what's going to happen. And, and you have all these, a small community. I don't work in the biggest community. I work in a community with about 15,000 people. So yeah, it can happen and you have to have that mindset. And I just don't think, like I said, I think we're in a mediocre time and I don't think people are really, really trained in the sense of their mindset and, and, and so forth. So, um, yeah, yeah that's, Pete, Pete, give me what you told the screener. So, so this is one thing, Alex, and, and now I, we're very similar. You know, I'm a little older than you. I have two young boys like you do, and you have a girl. But I was the same way. I played baseball and football. And one of the things I, I disagree with the writers is just this idea that, you know, we should boycott that. We should boycott MLB. We should boycott the NFL. I understand that I don't like their values, but I think what we're doing by boycotting that is there are guys in, in professional sports that do not agree with the narrative. The problem is, is that if they speak up, who's going to defend them? Well, the right's going to boycott. And, you know, for, for, for you, I mean, I think you said your two idols when you were growing up for, for sports were Bonds and, and Kobe, and mine were Brady and Pedro Martinez because those yeah. were the guys I looked up to when I was a kid. And, 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 and Tiger Woods, Pete. Yes. Don't <laughs> well, forget I'm, not, I'm not a golfer, so. so but right. I just, I don't, I think there has to be a better way for us to combat it because you know, when we, we, we talk, you talk about it all the time. Well, we yeah. don't have the institutions. We don't have the universities. We don't have the media. And why is that? Well, because we, we pulled out. And, and when I talk with my buddies all the time, we're, we're dumbfounded that sports has turned into kind of a left-wing institution. Yes. It's well, I think I gave about five headlines the opening the show to kind of prove it is. You know, it, it's the most masculine thing. And, you know, yeah. and, and it's not. It's, but but it's, like you said, teamwork. Hard determination, hard work. You have to put in the time to be good at something. You just don't show yep. up and hit a 95-mile-per-hour baseball or, or throw a 50-yard football, a, a pass 50 yards down the field. The amount of work, and that, you know, and so like the previous caller said, like, get these kids off the screen. Get them outside. So that's my right. only thing. I, I push back on the, on the boycott because I don't think that that's a great yeah. thing. You know what the truth of it is? Is people watch, Alex. If we don't, if, you know, I watch. And sometimes I'm sure, but, watch, but you but know, we kind of took this approach of indifference to Hollywood and Hollywood did change in a lot of ways. It's the woke programming bombs and they're making stuff now that's less woke. And um, it really has changed Hollywood when the right kind of started to make fun of them as opposed to looking up to them. And we're trapped a little more with sports because you can't build your own Major League Baseball. Uh, that one's not going to happen. Yeah. And they even have, you know, government carve outs to make it so that it's even harder than the absurdly difficult idea sounds on its own. Uh, even if you tried, I mean, the Major League Baseball is a codified monopoly by the government. So there's nothing there's nothing you can really do there. So but I'm telling you, Pete, not as much as a boycott. Um, it, it's more of a care a little less and give them less power. And for me, I picked up a lot of extra time when the NFL started doing the Kaepernick stuff that I spent every Sunday in front of the football, front of the TV, watching football. And I don't think my life got worse when I stopped doing that. I think my life got better. I spent more time with family. I went outside more. I got more work done, like all, all the good stuff. And it, it wasn't yeah, like I was glued to my right. TV watching football every weekend. And I yeah. improved my life. It did. So uh, thanks. Thank you, Kaepernick, for that. But that's kind of my point, Pete. <laughs> There's places where I'm on a hard boycott. 
there are some places where like Nike should not be supported in my opinion in in any way shape or form like there are some places that just cross the line um Google should be avoided at all costs even though very hard to do almost impossible to do but should be avoided at all costs uh but you know it's a pro sports it, I understand they're somewhat unavoidable in the culture but I'm very alarmed at how no major sports stars really speak out and and no meaning a fraction of those on the right. And we know there are so many of them, thousands of them, they never say anything because they're afraid. And the, the, that's a shame to me. The, the issue, but uh, so the only thing I'll push back on is, is I, I mean, I, I know you covered it, but when Drew Brees spoke out against, you know, kneeling for the national anthem, he yeah. was destroyed. He was destroyed. Yeah, and the next thing you know, he's wearing I, I don't care. Jacob Blake's name on his helmet. You know? Yeah, right, right. So, but I, I don't care. I think he need to hold his ground and he need to understand that this oh, is the I world agree. we're in. And... I, I, and and it's the and, and that's the problem. I, I know it's unfortunate, Pete. And uh, thanks for the call. This has been like the longest call I've ever done. So I'm gonna let you run. Um, Thank you. And, and uh, but it is, uh, it's a very compelling discussion, obviously, and I, one that we should probably spend at least an hour, maybe more, um, on this exact topic. But unfortunately, we are in an era where if you want to be a cultural person and have political viewpoints which I think you should, because I think we're in a culture war in this country and the left is trying to destroy us from within, then I do think it's imperative that you speak up, that you hold your head up high and you will get uh, robustly defended by half the country. And you will get attacked unjustifiably from another angry part of the country that uh, you don't really want their support anyway. And maybe some of them will, will change uh, their minds and maybe some of them will begrudgingly respect you for being brave. So, but I do think that the athlete class, the right wing athlete class uh, completely failed over the last half decade in standing up to the wokeification of their industries. So will they pay a financial price for it? Maybe not just because of the nature of things is that we need some sort of entertainment and um, you know, you can't build your own NFL. Um, but I'll tell you, the NFL, which was the f- first to go woke, their ratings dipped quite a bit. And now they're kind of re- reeling in some of the wokeness and the ratings have gone back up. So I'm not saying that there isn't some correlation. But it's going to be a process for those of us who don't like the stuff that we consume to be infected with left-wing wokeism. I got American That's today's show. Thanks to producer Zach, senior producer Greg Eben, and Robert Marlowe, who helps me pick topics. And of course, all of you who tell 10,000 friends and family members about the podcast and shares Breitbart's content online. Uh, You could check out all my social. Just go to alexmarlowe.com and you can get any of those. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.